Hello there, and welcome to a very special Here's Johnny's Reviews. And for this one, over the next several weeks, I shall be putting out my failed second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show. As I and my co-host spent a good amount of time on these podcasts, so I thought, why not slap it on this podcast and see what happens. Now, remember, these were recorded several months ago. So and none of the links for the Shocky Horror work. So please don't try to look it up on the internet. However, the other links should work. Anyway, enjoy. Welcome to episode 12 of the Shocky Horror Podcast Show. I am your host, Johnny T, and no movie is safe from me, whether it be from B to Z. Before I kick things off, I want to say my new Co-host Martin had to drop out due to medical reasons, and I hope he has a swift recovery. So, I have roped in another co-host, one actually knows me in real life. We've known each other for a good, what, ten years has it been? Yeah. Yes. She is Jo, and she is, a bit like me, a huge movie buff, and she also knows where the skeletons are buried, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, we are covering the 1962 Vincent Price movie, Tales of Terror. Now, is this your first Vincent Price movie? It is, yes. Prince of okay. Virgin until last night. <laughs> okay, then. Okay. I think I've watched most of Vincent Price's back catalogue. Mind you, he has about 190 odd bloody movies, so. Mm. Oh, well, oh, that's a lot to get through. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've watched a chunk of them, so. Yeah, this is not my first first go of this thing. He is the king of B movies, after all, so there we have it. So, are you a fan of, of Edgar Allan Poe? I am. I'm a huge fan of Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, then. Okay, then. Like I said, I, I have two or three of his books and read a few of his short proses and his couple of his stories and such. Mm. And, yeah. Um, Moving on, shall we just say? No, we'll we just leave it there. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, but right, maybe we should introduce, introduce yourself uh, and tell our little schlocky heads who exactly you are, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm Joanne. I have known John for more years than any of us will admit. Um, and I am a complete movie buff. I do like horror a lot. The John will tell you, the scare the bejesus help me, but I watch them regardless. Um, yeah, I think I'm the the history there, though I kind of, out the two of us, I kind of like a bit of history as well, so. Okay then, okay yeah. then. Right then, right So, on to this movie. This was a Vincent Price, Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe movie. I think this is like the fourth or fifth, fifth one they've done, because in the 60s they had this whole thing where they started hashing out all these Edgar Allan Poe-based movies. Uh, so... There we are. I think. Yeah, yeah, I seen that when I was doing a bit of reading. They kind of converted a lot of his Edgar Allan Poe um, mm-hmm. short movie, uh, short stories into movie, mm-hmm. short little movie. Yeah, I think six of them, including the absolutely bug nuts crazy Raven, which I just love, <laughs> and the slightly sinister Fall of the House of Usher, which is really bizarre. I mean, that's a weird, trippy experimental movie from the mid 60s. I have uh, to check out because that's one of my favourite Edgar Allan Poe um, oh, shots. God, it's bizarre. I mean, there's a whole bit where the, uh, the prince of this principality has a, throws a ball and the deaf shows up to dance him. It's like, ooh, Kira. Yep. <laughs> it is weird. weird. Uh, this thing has an all-star cast, including Peter Laurie, Basil Rathborn, and, of course, Vincent Price himself. Mm. Uh, or does it mean, would Basil Rathborn be a good Doctor Who? Yeah, I was, I was, when I was watching that, I was thinking, very 1960s Doctor Who. Yeah, but fortunately he was busy doing Sherlock Holmes, so there we oh, have well, it. okay, he, he gets let off with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah he won't be one iconic character at a time, you know. <laughs> so this thing had an unknown budget, because this is a bloody Roger Cohen movie, and he doesn't issue his budgets much, so. Hmm. Yeah. However, it did pull in a... Uh, Impressive at the time, $3.2 million, so... Yeah, that's good for the 60s, isn't it? Yes, yes, for the early 60s, that's mm. Bearing in mind, I think James Bond, uh, Dr. No, pulled in something like $1.8 million. Um, so 
there we have it. <laughs> yeah, that will flop compared to this. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. flop compared to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the cast, we have Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, Basil Rathborn, Maggie Pierce, Leona Gage, and Joyce Jameson, directed by Roger Corbin. The plot, three stories of terror based off of Edgar Allan Poe's writings. The first is that of a grieving widow and his dying daughter trying to reconnect, however a vengeful ghost will not allow it. The second is of a drunk and his cheating wife, her lover, and a black cat. And the third is the story of trying to prove that there is life after death. So there we have it. And these are all connected by Vincent Price's voiceovers at the very start of each story, which I thought was kind of sinister and kind of creepy, you know? Yeah, I got that feel. Mm. Just the way Vincent Price talks, he's so, so dark and so macabre, you know? So it's like... Mm. Although I do love the the cheap plastic heart they have beating at the start I, of this, this I, movie. I really liked that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, so I really enjoyed that. Uh, I saw that and I was like, "Ooh, couldn't keep my eyes off it." Yeah, and it then it cut so to that cheap. first scene with the girl walking into her dad's house and all that fake cobwebs. Mm, mm, I was going to mention that. Um, yeah, that was one of my first notes as well. See. Yeah. So the first story yeah. is Morella. And I, I've got a bit of my notes here. The cheap Corman house, much like his castle, because uh, Corman's got this thing called the Corman Castle, which is a painting or a sketch of a castle, and it's in pretty much every one of his fucking movies that desires Ooh. a castle. This thing is cheap. I mean, the Corman inside looks cheap. I yeah. mean, it is just ridiculous. Also, I think that's, that's the same house that's used in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So, I thought it looked familiar. <laughs> so there we have it. Anyway, so we meet the daughter Leona, was that name Leona? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Played, played by Maggie Pierce. Her claim to fame was My Mother the Car, which is a mid sixties rom com sitcom that lasted for I think it was three years and it was bizarre. So moving on. That's the new one on me. Okay. Yeah, no. mm. She's twenty six year old daughter of Vincent Price. In the story, he plays Locke, who is a rich, depressed drunk, still mourning the death of his wife over twenty five years earlier. What? the fuck <laughs> that, that's some morning period yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous i'm going for god's sake it's been quarter of a century and you're still mourning her for fuck's yeah, sake chill you know forgive your daughter a bit chill I mean, yeah yeah mm. uh he sends her away to boarding school after birth because she killed his beloved wife as a tad harsh as an <laughs> yeah well you know mm. even babies have to pay apparently yeah that's true that's very true <laughs> I mean, I love the fact how this house is full on goth. I mean, it has the the large tapestries and the such, and it has the winding staircases, and uh, it's just a shame it's, it's in such a. Board. Yeah, yeah, it could be a spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a shame there's cobwebs everywhere. <laughs> I know. know. I I I I, just, I know it annoyed me. I just thought you know they could have got that same effect doing something else, even mm. in the city. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just. Uh, Although I love the fact that the the horse-drawn carriage driver says to the daughter when she gets when she first arrives at the house, oh, the housekeeper's inside, but she'll leave pretty soon. What was she doing? One room? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the rest of the house is completely trashed. I'm she going, was picking it all up one at a time. Mm, that mm. must have been it. Yeah. I mean, you've, got, you've got rotten food, you've got a tarantula crawling over the place, and there's like party crap from like 25 years earlier still in its place. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, my God. You know, you must have been do- doing the drink trolley because that was spotless. <laughs> yeah. Was not a single drop on that drink trolley, was there? Yeah, yeah. Even in Vincent Price's own boudoir, there's like cobwebs over the walls and over the door. I'm going, what the fuck? Yeah. Even, even in his bedroom, there's cobwebs. Karen, I mean, what's she doing? Just a fucking toothbrush to clean up. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I, also, was it me or were you getting a, a Freddy's Nightmare a dream house from that? I was. Yeah, all, all the rotten food on the table and the place is all cobbled up and it's all disgusting. Yeah. Um, what else have I got to see here? Oh, yes. This is one of only a few roles Vincent Price shaved off his famous moustache. There have been the Dragon Wick from 1946. Ah. So there's another one also, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But yeah, Dragon Wick is, is, is a famous one. So he's shaved off his moustache about three, four times in his life. So there we have it. Um, that with one of them? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And 
Vincent Price here is playing a cold-hearted, depressed drunk. Yep. He is such a bastard to his to his only daughter. I mean, yeah, but no, what got me it was, uh, you know, I, you know, quotation mark funny how um, it only takes the hearing of her impending death from suddenly to turn and go, actually, I forgive you and I love you, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. I love the fact that the, the the coachman says or the coach driver person says, yes, your father's is is very rich, but he's wasted most of the the family earnings. On what exactly buying booze? <laughs> I mean, because it wasn't upkeep for his house, so. No. Nope. I mean, Jesus Christ. And it's all very psycho as Locke has dug up his wife's dead body and placed her in a bed. Yeah, that was a bit creepy. Yeah, one. Although I have to admit, I was slightly impressed on the effects they used to make Morello Cox look like it was. You know, it didn't look 20, what, 5, 26 mm-hmm. years dead, but, it, you know, it could have passed for about two, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. She is Morella, the title character, played mm-hmm. by Leona Gage. She quit acting in 1965 to become a dancer in a strip joint. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> uh, she won Miss America in 1957, but was stripped of the title because she was married with six kids. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so there you have it. Um, when I will, I'm in America. Not uh, not allowed to set a kid. No, 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 fifty journey. So there you go. And was it me that showed like a hell of a like Lily Munster? Yeah. It's the same dress she's wear, she wears as Lily Munster, and it's the same wild hair and wild nails. Because if you've seen the promo shots from uh, the Blu-ray, they have a promo shot of her in the full garb, and she looks like Lily Munster. Yeah. She's, she has the same dress. She's the same hair. She's the same makeup. She's the same nails. So did they just recycle Lily Munster's outfit? No, they probably did. They didn't they recycle the set from something else for what was it? It was part of the film anyway. Um, part of the set, part of the footage, and part of the set was recycled from like something else. Yeah, yeah, because Cormac was notoriously cheap for reusing. Yeah everything so it probably wasn't actually i think yeah. it's actually the streets in the second story is that it was recycled so yeah i remember it. i remember reading somewhere over the last few days that part of the setting thing was recycled so they probably recycled her outfit as well mm, yeah yeah probably found it in some wardrobe went, oh that'll do i'll take that <laughs> you know? yeah although i've got to say about the the ott hammy ass acting in this is just so delicious especially from vincent price Mm. he is just so titanous and he works all the way through all the three stories he's just so over the top and he just he runs with it you know and it works for his <laughs> characters though yeah 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 i found that though what you know they, they, like you say they're completely over the top and outrageous but they work mm-hmm. with the, the other actor not excluding peter laurie in the second one because mm. awesome but the other like all the women you just think was there no one good available? Yeah, no. I mean, the, the, the actresses in this are a bit limp-wristed. It's like, eh, mm. oh, we're just staying here to, to show off our, our boobs and such. Like, yeah, bugger off. And we found out Le- Leona uh, has daddy issues as she has a failed marriage and can't bear children. Also, she's dying of some unknown illness. What the hell? So she's 27 or 26 and she's dying mm. of, what, leukemia? <laughs> Is it cancer? I, I yeah, because I was watching it going, what is it? Unless it's a brain tumour which they, could, which they couldn't detect in the mm. 60s, you know? Or even in the 1800s or the 600s. Yeah, when, when the, when the, the actual was Yeah, You know, I was like, what is it? Mm. Mm. It's also when in the third story when Vincent Price's character is dying. He's dying of an illness. What no, is it called? Never, yep. Just an illness. It's like, He's okay. dying of death. I think that's <laughs> what it is. You know? I mean, I just love the fact that there's a quick uh, tit-a-tete between the uh, the father and daughter, and we have a quick backstory of how his wife died after hosting a party, and she just drops dead, as she do. He then dug her up and stuck her in her bed, and that's it. He, that's 20, it. 25 years later, the, no- the daughter comes knocking at the door, so it's like, okay then. And the daughter says... She was put in a boarding school for 21 years, so she must have been about five, five, five yeah, five or six when she was... lived with her mother cop for about at least five years? Yeah, she must have, yeah. So I'm going, 
what the fuck? Mm. I mean, I'm guessing the nanny and the housekeeper and the butler and the gardener must have kept her as a kid then, because he was upstairs moping with the yeah. the rotting you body and the booze. I'm thinking necrophilia, but you say moping. Yeah. <laughs> on. Also, I love the fact he just goes, eh, you had the best education I could afford. 21 years on your back for what? What a complete prick. Yes. <laughs> Fucking Trying to, trying to make her face say, I'm dying, I'm back to say hello and bye in the same mm. sentence. And he, yeah. you know, when you killed my wife, get out of my sight. Mm, yeah, yeah. You killed my, my, my dear beloved. Oh, for God, really, mate? I mean, Christ almighty. And she says to him, it's your fault, my my marriage fell to pieces. So she's been married at least once in she was she left when she was 21 and she's 26 now so in five years she was married at least once One. so karen karen wow um i love the fact she says oh i have no i have no money i won't have my possessions how the fuck did you get the bloody horse-drawn carriage from boston then <laughs> yeah exactly you know, <laughs> let's not ask how she paid for that because let's talk about how she was sent away to um, New York and a boarding school in New York and then she moved back to New England and then she moved to back to Boston where her father is mm. so who paid for that horse, that coach ride I mean uh, yeah. mm. okay then and that night in the best cheapest early 60s effects does Morella's ghost take revenge on her daughter by choking her to death and the music is very psycho in this. I mean, I was getting yeah. heavy psycho vibe. Although, why did the mother attack the daughter? It's not actually explained. She just pops up from the grave. Thinking of her around. body. Yeah, let's so see. Let's see. For the end of them of that story. Mm. That's what I got from it. But yeah, I was thinking, does she really have a simple possession? Just a done. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love some women are some women are a bit just too dramatic and (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, although I love the cheapness of the effects. It's what was it, black sketching that used for the ghost effect? Yeah, I was trying to work out. I was like, what is that? What is that? Because I was thinking, surely that's just not lace somehow in front of it. But no, I think you're right. I think it's just black sketching. It's just Mm. yeah. So they must have used like a some sort of a plate in front of the camera and just sketched around it and moved oh, it around. Yeah, yeah so. moved the camera around and it moved mm. the camera, yeah. So I mean, it's like it says, Morella switches bodies with, with her daughter and chokes Locke as the house burns down. Karen, <laughs> so you do. your thoughts on that, the story, you know? Um. Well, I, I, I mean... It's okay. It's an okay story. The the, but I didn't like that whole scene because now we're left at the end of the story going. Well, hold on, the lock Kelly's wife. Cause she her her words were, I came back for it was something like I came back for revenge, and mm. you know chokes him and it's like. I just assumed that she'd want revenge on her daughter, but. That's right, she did say, I come back for revenge, so revenge? did kill her, did yeah. poison, I mean... That's what I was thinking, I was like, did he kill her and, you know, blame his infant child somehow, or make up the whole story that she, her dying word for the child did it or something, mm, mm, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, maybe he poisoned her, you know, I mean... Maybe that's what I was thinking. Mm. So, on to story two, The Black Cat, which has pieces from the cast of Montalato, which I have never actually... Reds, so do you know about that one? No, nope, no one on me. The only thing I know about the cast of Montalado is it's a nod and a wink, and it is in Fallout 3. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I know about it. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on, we meet Juan Teresa, I think it's pronounced his name, played by Peter Laurie, a B movie actor extraordinaire. My mm. god, he was also the very first Bond villain, Le Chief, from 1957's TV play. Yeah. So, is an interesting fact for you. He plays a mean drunk in this, and he actually was a mean drunk on set. That is real wine he's drinking, by the way. Is it? Because I was, <laughs> I, I have in my notes, you know, I, I enjoyed his portrayal. You know, he had that drunken character down. Oh yes. Uh, that's why, because he was drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. usual wine. Yeah, yeah. 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 In fact, Jack, Jack Nicholson hated working with him on uh, the Raven as Laurie. 
beat him over the head and we berate him on set because he was a mean old drunk. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he's in Jack Nicholson's first movie, The Terror, um, where he plays a dashing young prince. He's also in uh, The Raven. Again, he plays a dashing young prince. But Peter Laurie plays his father in that one, and he literally beats him up. He like slaps him across the head, slaps him across the hand, and all that stuff. And it's like, what the fuck? So Jack Nicholson hated him. So there we are. So he had a whole ca- phase of of playing mean drunks because he was a fucking mean drunk. That's so, why. So That's there we have it. Hate cat. Mm, mm. I mean, apparently the only person could control him was Vincent Price himself. <laughs> so <laughs> there we have it. That explains why they're on screen chemistry. It's actually quite good in that one, I found then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, you know, they, they he has none of it, you know. Alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is married to a much younger woman. How the fuck's that one work? I mean, Peter Laurie must be about, about 60 in this. Ooh, talk about you know? up a few weight, yeah. Yeah, and he is rough in this movie. My God. He's about, what, about five foot? <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, and he's quite portliness so and this woman she must be about what about 25 26 you know she is joyce jameson she also played a similar role in another uh vincent price uh, roger coleman thing called comedy of terrors she played a similar role except that one she's married to vincent price uh, who played the mean, the mean drunk and Peter Laurie was a rich wine snob so the roles were switched so, yeah a complete role reversal so there we have it what I don't get is what the hell does she see in this layabout drunk he's such a complete prick to her I mean it can't be the money surely because from what we're led to believe she's the one with the money yes she's a a daughter of a rich earl or something like that mm. and she has to make ears meet because he's a drunk and a rogue scholar what the fuck that is and she has to sew to make money so mm. there we have it mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure I can't think what she could... It couldn't have even been a marriage of convenience, you know. No, no. I mean, unless he's a, he was a lord or something like that and he just blew the money because um, he was a drunk. But yeah, he smashes the place up. He trashes her good name over town and she puts up with that. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, anybody else would have left. Oh, good God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on to the black cat, which hated Laurie as much as she hated it because it always attacked him, you know. So <laughs> there we have it. Um, and there's one thing I've got on notes which pissed me off. What is with the zooming into the faces to cut to the next scene? That annoyed yeah, me. That really annoyed me. Mm. I was going, why are you zooming into the face and then cutting to the next scene? It's like, sure the fuck you have a better editor than just go zoom and cut to the next scene. Yep, I know. I mean, annoying. So, uh, what's his name? Monty. I'm going to call him because I can't remember his pronounce his name. Is it Monteressa? I like the Monteressa. Yeah. Monteressa. I'm going to call him. Oh, I'm going to call him Monty. Bugger it. Okay. So he gets thrown out of a pub, as you do, and he staggers home drunk into a wine merchant competition ran by Fortitunio Lontresi, played by Vincent Price. He's the world's greatest wine expert, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Yes, and I love the faces that Vincent Price pulls when he's... I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I thought... The expression I managed to pull in. Oh my god. Mm, yeah, uh, it's just yeah, genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, it's just genius. And this Monterezer guy reminds me of my ex. He was completely full of himself drunk who thought he was better than everybody else and was a gin slash wine expert, but he just downed it, knocked it back without even tasting it. He was such a complete snob. He was, oh, oh, this is good stuff and knocks it back. But I'm going. Even tasting that as it even hit the sides of your mouth, you know. I mean, he would just knock it back. And I'm going, how are you an expert because you're middle class? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, have a relative like that, knocks it back and doesn't taste it. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, oh, like this This is a, 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 a 50, 55-pound bottle of gin. It's a dinky half bottle of gin. I'm like, why knock it back? Well, there's no tomorrow then, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Savor, it's savor that. Taste. You know? Absolutely. Mm. I just annoyed me, but you sit there and have a, a nice quiet drink with it, and you knock it back, knock it back, and knock it back. And next thing you realise, he's, he's drunk like three bottles of wine. It's like, what the fuck? Dear, oh dear. Anyway, moving on. Monty 
challenges for Torino to a wine testing competition and wins, much to the shock of uh, for Torino, as he just knocks back the wine without even tasting it, which is bullshit because you have to actually taste the bloody bottle. You can't just knock it back and go, oh no, this 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 vintage and such, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they had that to be able to just, you know, tell right down to which street your wine came from. You can't just put it in your mouth and go, mm. you know, pick, mm. a, pick a vineyard, you know. Yeah, I love that one. Oh, this is down the, the southern slope of the vineyard. How the fuck do you know that? I mean... <laughs> like, I was waiting on them to say which specific line of, you know... Of yeah, which... Which, um... Slave? Yeah, yeah. Which slaves to donut, for crying out loud, you know? I mean... <laughs> Ah, Jesus criminies. And I love the stunned looks of the white snobs in the bar as Monty gets every one of them right. I mean, and yeah. he gets more and more drunk and the camera does that more and more twisting and distorting of the image because he gets more and more and more and more and more drunk, which I just loved. It's like I love that effect too. Uh, and yeah. you're supposed to realise that this is a... Uh, whatever it is, this is... Da, 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 da. I mean, I'm not a wine person at all. I have no idea about wine, so... <laughs> Can't stand this stuff. Mm-hmm. Bottle of gin and I'm happy though, but no, bottle of wine. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a great fan of wine at all. No, I'm more of a, of a spirit person than a wine person. So, Monty has such a trained... This is an annoyed bit about this movie, right? This guy, Monty, has such a trained tongue and a trained palate. Why the fuck's not put that into good news instead of being a complete alcoholic? That annoys me. If he's, if he's got this such a great palate and he knows about what grape is this, what wine is this, and this comes from here, and this comes from there, and this is such such a uh, vinery, uh, why does not he use that as for his talent instead of just being a complete alcoholic? Yeah, not yeah. Why not set himself up as a connoisseur rather than just you know, I, he clearly caught got that tongue from being an alcoholic, but you know, put it to some use. Mm, mm. But you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember reading someplace that the more alcohol you consume, the more cheap alcohol you consume, it destroys your taste buds and destroys your palate. So, if he's knocking I'm back... Not stuff yeah. And cheap alcohol. I mean, if he's knocking back cheap wine, cheap brandy or whatever he's drinking, his taste buds be completely destroyed. So, there mm. we have it. So, anyway, so Vincent Price takes the drunk lorry home. And here he meets his much younger wife, and boom, they're in love because, of course, you know. Why not? I mean, Vincent Vincent Price is a rich wine connoisseur. I mean, he has the top hat and tails and, and the fancy dancy uh, walking stick and such, whereas Peter Laurie is a short, stumbling drunk with no money at all. So there we have it. So she just instantly jumps onto him. So she's a, she's a gold digger. <laughs> she clearly is, yeah. Clearly after the... Uh... What she can get. Mm. So the next morning, Monty wakes up from a drunk stupor and she hands over cash to him willingly as he's out to get drunk. So she has an affair with Vincent Price, his character, as you do. I mean, because when they say, oh, I will have two shillings left. That's going to be for food for the rest of the week. But here, take it away you and bugger off. And then yeah, she's like, schmoozing. Don't, don't back. Mm, mm. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, it's just... Um, I don't know, I just found it ridiculous. It's like, oh, we're not hard to get any money, but there's like large quantities of cash everywhere. Yeah. So going, where the hell did you get all this money from in 16 or 17, what the fuck this thing was, 1770 or something like that? She must be very good at sewing. <clears throat> yeah, she must be very good at sewing, yeah, or, or good at sewing something anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> so Laurie then finds out about the affair and poisons uh, the wife and then poisons Vincent Price breaking both of them up in the cellar along with the black cat uh, who after the police show up because the idiot has bragged about how he's now free of her and she's this and that and she, he now has her money he bragged in the uh, in the pub which is fucking stupid <laughs> what, I mean, what, if you're going to kill your, your you know your partner and the the, the, uh, the person they're having an affair with you don't brag about it you don't yeah. get drunk and go I'm spending all her money. She doesn't need it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's buggered off for fraternity. Oh, mm. one more thing. Apparently, at lunch, the cast and crew would throw around Peter Laurie's decapitated head, and he hated that because um, it freaked him out to give him the sort of DTs and such, you know. I'm so. not surprised. Drunk, can you see your own head floating about? Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. Uh, although, I love the fact that 
the police are down in the basement and he's sitting there going, there's nothing down here, nothing at all. And he can hear... Uh, the black cat? Yeah, well, the black cat, and he could hear the wife and, and Vincent Price talking to him about how they're, oh, they're ghosts, and oh, they're going to get you, and know, stuff. I love that bit, and he's going, there's nothing down here, and there's nothing at all down. and he hides the evidence yeah. in, a, in a bucket. What the fuck? Yeah. And then he goes up to the wall and goes, how about this brick wall, and he punches it like a, a moron. I'm going, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you just have yeah, to where did I put them? Behind the wall? Oh, yeah, just give them the idea of, uh, actually, that wall doesn't match the rest of the room. Yeah, exactly. You can tell me with this fresh bricks. I'm going, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, I know. Uh, so what's your thoughts on this, the second story? I love the second story. I have to be honest. I loved it. I found it so funny. I know that it was, you know, meant to be serious. I found it hilarious. Mm. So I did. Um, Prices just over-the-top flamboyant, you know, up himself wine connoisseur character I loved <laughs> so I yeah. did and um, Peter Laurie can just you know do anything and I'll 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 like him anyway so but no I loved this <laughs> so I, did, I mean it was a bit a bit predictable and a bit naff in some parts but <laughs> other than that I loved that I loved the fact he got caught out by the cat I, yes. I, I, I was applauding at the end going well done black cat yeah 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 so, yeah, no, I, I, I really can't fault it that much. I think it was great. Yeah, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very black mm. comedy. It is so vicious-edged. And, and ultimately, it was Monty's downfall because he's a fucking idiot. He's a blubbermouth drunk, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, oh, my God. But I, I, again, I don't get why she married him. He's nothing but a blowhard drunk, you know? So uh, there we have it. Mm. Um, Maybe she's older and she looks and he was prettier in his younger days. Yeah, possibly, possibly. On to the third and final story, uh, the case of M. Voldemort, mm. uh, which opens up on Voldemort, played by Vincent Price. He's getting hypnotised by a turning rainbow lantern. Is that how hypnosis works? <laughs> um, apparently, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, okay then. He's got hypnotised by Carmichael, played by Basil Rathborn, best known as Sherlock Holmes. So he hypnotises Vincent Price to take away pain. Is that how that works? Can you hypnotise pain away? Um, are you asking me if I believe in hypnotism? Because I really, for all the things I'm, I'm open-minded about, hypnotism is really not one of those things. Mm. You know, yes, the power of suggestion yes. can only go so much. But you know, physical pain is something you can feel so no mm. Mm. yeah yeah i mean i'm sitting there going to myself wait he hypnotizes him to take away his pain from his unnamed illness like, yeah. okay then okay then uh, that's how that one works right then you can tell this is written by someone in the 18 what was it, 1870s when paul was writing stuff I'm pretty sure it's 1872, 1875, but yeah, somewhere in the 70s. Okay, okay, I'm way off. But yeah, you can tell this is not a person of of, um, medical education, you know. It was just basically, I think Paul was a drunk, was he not? I mean, yeah, he he, he was, but he wasn't a very nice person either. He was just, he was really sadistic and didn't he? Not kill his wife but he, he treated her like worse than her character in the black cat treated mm. her so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah didn't wasn't he the one that um he ended up marrying a woman who uh, well i say a woman sorry a girl in her teen when he was you know run about the same age as you oh, so, yeah I, I really was a thing in those days it was allowed but you know yeah. it's so shocking to think he was just he wasn't a very nice man but yeah, yeah. Although, dark humor come from yeah exactly yeah the only thing i know about edgar Allan poe was he disappeared for 10 days and was found drunk in an alleyway wearing his clothes round the wrong way so he disappeared for two weeks i think it was then he, then he died of a mysterious illness so some syphilis you know so <laughs> there we have well, it. it could have been mm. Mm. some say it was actually because he was 
uh, trying to tap into the other side and the, the devil killed him sort of stuff it's like oh god some shit was aliens you know so <laughs> there we have it again untreated syphilis can have all the effects mm. you know it could have been could have been alien it could have been syphilis it could have been you know mm, mm. Anyway. Um, uh, so back to this movie so way off course um so we meet uh, what's his name? Voldemort. Is it, it's me, it's, he's not like Voldemort. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know, I thought that. I was like, ooh, Harry Potter. Can you come out in a minute? But no. So we meet Voldemort's wife or daughter, Helen. What was she's that? Wife, yeah. Because they talk about how, oh, my dear daughter, Helen. Then he goes, oh, my wife, Helen. So I'm like, is is he married his own daughter? I was going to say, isn't he? She is Deborah Paget, a 50s B-movie actress, and she's also in a fuck ton of westerns, so there we have it. Uh, we, then, uh, say again. we then meet his doctor, Dr. James, played by David Frankham. He's the voice of Sergeant Tibbs in 101 Dalmatians, the 61 cartoon. Mm. So he is shocked that Vol- Voldemort feels no pain from the fucking shyster Carmichael's magical lantern because uh, yes power of notion uh, uh, power suggestion rather wouldn't actually take away pain no. you know so hmm. I mean I've not actually been hypnotised myself but I have seen people under quote unquote the power under, of hypnotis, yeah. and it's, it's all bullshit all this stuff about oh uh, what was it act like a chicken act like a, a baby nurse crab and act like you're, you're you're in your own home sort of stuff it's fucking yeah, bollocks yeah they're coming into the that's sort of nonsense. Anyway, so Dr. James thinks rightly so. Carmichael is a shyster, a fraud, and should not be messing around with Vincent Price's mind. Well, that's a given. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be set in what, 1850? Yeah. So, weren't you still using leeches to cure pretty much everything? <laughs> you know? I mean, I mean, uh, 1800s, they, you know, they still believed in an actual physical le- heaven and hell and you could talk to the other side so you know mm, mm. I mean, the comical character isn't unbelievable as someone you could meet you know mm. Whitaker and her, type, her TARDIS turned up and took us there you know but mm, yeah it's still completely charlatan yeah he's a complete shyster um, yeah. although uh, didn't they still believe that leeches could could cure stuff and like, bloodletting could cure other illnesses and drilling holes oh, yeah, in the head. They, they genuinely, yeah, they genuinely <sighs> believed that to even cure a simple headache, you had to cut a big line across, a big, a big, you know, cut open almost the top of your forehead mm. without mm. going right into the skull. But yeah, there was, um, yeah, they used trepanning and stuff for things as well. It was just, yeah, okay. they believed that drinking various bodily fluid and functions would cure all sorts that, you know, thank God I'm glad we've got penicillin for. Yeah, and they, they believed that schizophrenia and epilepsy were demonic possession. Yep. So it's like, ooh, okay then, moving on. I mean, um, and notoriously they would put iron rods up your nose to help you with, uh, what was it, learning difficulties? I believe, they, and also of, of migraines, they would lobotomise you. Yeah. A lot of a migraine. I'm like, oh, it's a tad much. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have been happy. I'd have happily just went. Can you see rather than do that? You know, just just kill me. Be so much, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so much less painful. Just you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of these these poor people get lobotomized for a headache. You know. Yeah. I mean, and what was the other thing we used to do? Um. Oh yes, enemas were a big thing in the 1800s. Give him an enema, you know. Um, oh, good, an enema forever. And have you read up on some of the things they used to put in those enemas? No, no, I haven't. No. Oh, I'll let you. Re- I'll let you um look it up. Make sure you're not having your dinner, or your lunch, though. Uh, <laughs> although I, I did read up on uh, Mr. Kellogg, who's a complete fucking nutjob basket case. Yep. Um, who had what was it? Six enemas a day for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean. This is the guy that popularised the notion of circumcision in America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on, back to this movie. Um, so Vincent Price tells his young wife that 
uh, Basil Rathbone's character, Can Reichel, doesn't want anything from him, no money or no fame. He just wants a favour that on his deathbed he'd be put under to see what happens after death. Ooh, Kieran. Yeah, mind you, this was the what was Victorians, so they were big into yeah. spiritualism and such, and big into Ouija boards and tilting tables and and. Um, yeah, they tried everything to predict what you know. Mm, uh, mm. They had the the um, it was the Victorians that gave us the bells in some coffin. Some oh yes. Yeah, yes. if you walk around the necropolis, not that you ever do, but see if you ever do, um, you can still see some of the Victorian um grave still have the little bell which mm-hmm. me out every time i'm in there for a walk i'm like if one of them that's the ring i'm running <laughs> yeah yeah because it was tied to either your pinky or your toe and if you could mm. wiggle your feet because people were buried still alive yeah you know? um so there we have it i mean that's creepy as shit mm. but yeah the, 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 the victorians were weird people i mean all the stuff that vibrators were used to control your wife if she was about overexcited and like yep. Just, yeah, just, you know. Yes. Get yeah, them off a, hysterical. Yeah, give it a, a swift slap across the face and stick a vagina, a dildo up her vagina. You know, yay! There you <laughs> go, love. You know. <laughs> I just love that one. But they use a they use a, a vibrator to get her out of hysterics. Does it make it worse? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it would. <laughs> God's sake. Uh, Never anyway, makes a hysterical woman worse than a vibrator. <laughs> you know, a swift, a swift, oh, it's, uh, it's a swift slap across the face and a, vi- a vibrator, and she's sorted. Yeah. God's sake. Moving on. The prescription, you know, I'm seeing things a day for as long as needed. And what you see that? Did the victims also sell um, cocaine over the counter? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, get arsenic over the counter. Yes. Yeah, so. Put it in makeup and you know everything. Mm, mm. As well as your drink, if you were bad to your your wife or your husband. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, back to this movie here because we're over the place. <laughs> mm. uh, I love the fact that. Talk a vibrator, that's what it was. Oh dear, oh dear. Anyway. The doctor then tells the wife not to trust the shyster as he thinks he wants to get into her pants and then he instantly hits on her. What the fuck? I don't blame him, I do too. I mean, I'm going, really, but you could just have stopped the conversation and then moved on to another subject. Not go crew on the same sentence, go, don't trust him, he was after your, he wants into your pants, but so do I. You fucking, (laughs) what an asshole. Nothing worth a widow to be like. Yeah, I love the fact that Price tells the wife he's not blind, he can see the good doctor wants wants her, so he gives his blessing. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean also I love the fact that Vincent Price is, is fairly healthy in this, yet a day later he's dead. <laughs> I, I love that, you know. I refuse to die, whatever end of the scene. Very next scene, deathbed, I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince Price just dies, and in goes Carmichael to hypnotise him at the very second of death. Mm. But it keeps him there for months on end. Is that how that mm. works? I mean, mm. uh, so the brain dies, the heart stops, but the conscience is still there, the ghost is still there. See, Got- technically, the brain is still. The, the, I'm no doctor, but they do say the brain is the last to go, so. Yeah, eight minutes for fucking six months. Well, they do say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for crying they out loud. They do say meant to be long enough that you're aware you're dead, but not for, you know, six months later where you mm. can be like, you know, yeah, I'm not starting to look very good. Can you let me go? Mm, yeah, I just love that one. Months and months and months later, because it goes to what, from summer to, or around summer to, from spring to winter. So yeah. it must be at least six months. Carmichael has moved into the house and he still has Voldemort in limbo. What the fuck? Yeah, what if they're hoping to find out that he hasn't managed to ask the poor dead guy upstairs before now and go right yeah. that time? Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. I love the, the fact that the, the wife has left the house and left the entirety of the estate onto the shyster fucking hypnotist guy. What the fuck? I mean, the butler goes, here's your wine, sir. Oh, by the way, he's awake. Come sort him out. What the fuck? I mean, I know. Uh, dear, oh dear. Uh, so the doctor then uh, 
uh, Hall's come in, got a gun point, or pistol point rather, to force him to release Voldemort, but he calls his bluff because his doctor's a fucking wimp, frankly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Carmichael tells the good doctor to listen to Voldemort, who tells him he wants him his wife to marry the shyster, not the good doctor. Um, he's under your, his power suggestion, therefore he plants a suggestion into his mind that wouldn't have to stand up in court for crying out loud, you know? Yeah, therefore the doctor was right, you know? That's not her word, that's yours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Carmichael throws out the doctor because the doctor's a fucking pussy. And then Carmichael forces himself on the wife. Mm. What the fuck? So Voldemort rises up from the dead to stop him, as you do. Well, uh, as any self-respecting cop would do, I imagine. Yes, yeah. I, I love the look of... Um, Vincent Price here. He's got this weird sort of overlay on his face. It's sort of like I don't know. Do you know, what, do, do, do you know what that was to you? Yes. I, yes. yes. I, mud. It was just a mud pack. Well, no. No, 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 no. It was worse than that. It's a mixture of glue, okay. cornstarch, corn uh, uh-huh. wax, makeup. Which was heated up and applied straight to Vincent Price's bare face, which could only stand for a matter of seconds before he pulled off because it was burning his flesh. Bloody <laughs> hell! So there we have it. Wow! Uh, I wear part of that makeup as well, or a mud pack to make it look like you know melting skin. Oh, I don't know about that. I must have been briefly at the end when we saw him all brown for like a matter of a second. Mm, yeah, it must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it says on on the Blu-ray, this stuff was glue. Mixed with cornstarch and melting wax, so okay then. Mm. I love how their prediction of a corpse is just white, white face yes. everywhere. It's like yeah, it's just covered in covered in, in flour. I'm like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Like put flour on him, be convincing. Mm, someone clearly never studied basic decomp, but mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Although I suppose this is what 62, so yeah, yeah. we can't. I can't really complain, can I? So then the good doctor burst down the door, finding Helena fainted on the ground, as you do, because she's a female victim in the 60s. She just yeah, faints. The women at the top of the lung and fainting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Then Baldemar over Carmichael's dead body, and he just runs out, and that's it. That's how it ends. Mm. So your thoughts on that one? <laughs> I mean, it was good, but like you said, the part of it is just ridiculous, you know. Um the uh, pricey cop makeup, like you know, we briefly said, was just ridiculous. But it's a 1960 production. What can we expect? Yes. Um, the good doctor being able to knock in those solid, apparently solid oak doors with his shoulder, and he, you know, the the way it filmed both, you you open both of them briefly. Yeah, mm. not convinced he did that without dislocating something to or breaking something. To be honest. Or the mm. fact that's actually plywood, you know. Yeah, exactly. It shakes, you know. Yeah, yeah this is Roger Comer talking about here, it's plywood. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, no, I've got to be honest, I think this was my favourite out of the three tales. Mm. I I liked it. I liked the story of it and, the you know, the creeping of it. There was enough, there was enough, um, like, there was enough nastiness in it to make it mm-hmm. funny. But... Mm. There was enough seriousness in it that, you know, I was kind of believing some of I wasn't believing that Price was decomposing on a bed and still managing to tell everyone what the afterlife was like. But, you know, there's parts of it that I was believing. But again, the female female cat, the female actress, like, hello, with no one good available. Yes, dead weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was Tales of Terror from Roger Common and Vincent Price. As good as I remembered, I remember this being top-notch good. It must be the, the comedy of terror I'm thinking of. Um, this is gothic as all hell, but it's not the least bit scary or clever or, for that matter, funny. Some of it is black comedy, yes, but it's not as fucking knee-slapping funny as I, I remembered it. So, hmm. Price is at his hammiest here, and he runs. This is his movie, you know. But I think the stories are a bit too short to build up any suspense or anything at all. So, overall, what do you think about this thing? Overall, I thought it well worth a look. You know, if you're really into your dark comedy, you know, you're going to like it. There's going to be enough there for you to to like. 
But, you know, like you say, you're not going to be sitting on the edge of your seat going, oh, what's going to happen? Because mm. they're predictable. All of them are. But, yeah, you don't even need to like Edgar Allan Poe to really like these short stories. They're just... Yeah, yeah. You know, this, this is a perfect Sunday afternoon, wet Sunday afternoon movie, you know? Yeah. Pouring of rain, just stick this thing on and go, eh, it's an hour and a half, it's fine. Because it does go quite rapidly fire, you know? So there we have it. It does, and there's no... The one straight into the other, which I really mm. liked. I, because when you said it was three and one, I thought, oh god, there's going to be a big long credit thing. But and then I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. The transition yeah. between them all was seamless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes these anthology stories can drag, but oh, there was yeah, no, yeah. there was no lull in this. This was just rapid fire, you know. Um, we had was it three stories and thirty minutes each, so. Yeah. There we had it. It was short and sweet. There we are. But like I says, they could have worked a bit more on the atmosphere, a bit more on the backstories and the such. But I guess I had half an hour, so we can't complain there, you know. I mean, so Definitely. on to the scoring or the schlockometer, <gasps> which is out of five. So one star is terrible, two stars is bad, three stars is meh, four stars is good, and five stars is great. I'm going to give this thing a 3 out of 10. As I said, this is a Sunday afternoon movie. So what do you give it? I'm going to give it a straight down the middle 5 and not half bad. Okay. Maybe 5 and a half of them being really generous. I really enjoyed it. Okay. okay. Well, you, see, you know, more than a Sunday afternoon, shove it on. You're going to, an hour, an hour and a half of your time is going to go quickly. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and just love the the ham that comes off of Vincent Price, you know. Exactly. And just just run with the thing; it's it's a fantastic thing. Absolutely, just believe it all from start to finish. You're not going to regret it that much by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. So, thank you for listening. Now, like, share, follow, and subscribe. Also, give us a five star bloody review. Also, follow us on Twitter at Schlocky Horror and Instagram at Schlocky underscore Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny. Ah, again, Here's Johnny's Pond. As I said earlier, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and leave it on everywhere you can get this thing. You know, iTunes can stitch you with a hell. You get anything so. Yeah, put it on tape. Leave it lying about the house. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our next podcast is going to be, uh, did I say it? M Night's Devil. So that's an interesting one. I haven't mm-hmm. seen this since cinemas back in, was it 2007 this thing came out? So so if you want a movie covered, email us at the shocky horror podcast show at gmail.com or tweet us or Instagram us and we'll cover it as soon as humanly possible. If you can find that that is. Oh, well, yes. And a, a bye. And remember, when you kill and break up your lover's dead body, and their cheating lover. Always check you haven't pricked up a black cat. Eh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>